Welcome to Feeling It, a podcast where we discuss TV, movies, pop culture, and whether or not we are feeling it. If this is your first time joining us, welcome to the show. And here we go. Come on, walk and talk. Alright, here we go. You guys want to hear something neat? It's showtime! Hold your ears, folks. Here we go! See what you can do now. Take your position. Alright, ladies, buckle up. Let's do this. Hold on to your butts. Seriously? Listen to me very, very carefully. Hey, it's me again. Eat him up. Enjoy. Hello, everybody. We are back after a little bit of a break in which I moved and Nashville got hit by a tornado. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this week has felt like, you know, a year long. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. But this week we are talking about the new adaptation of the Jane Austen novel, Emma. But before we get into that, let's introduce ourselves and answer the question, what is your favorite Jane Austen adaptation? I'm Sandra Amstutz. I'm a social media manager in Nashville, Tennessee. And it's cliche, it's expected, but my favorite Jane Austen adaptation, of which I haven't seen very many, is uh, Pride and Prejudice, the Joe Wright 2005 yeah. film. I think it is the classic Jane, Jane Austen adaptation, which is saying something because there have been some great ones. There's been a lot, yeah. <laughs> I do want to catch up yeah. on all of them. They are all fantastic. <laughs> um, I'm Lucas Wright, a designer in Chicago, and my favorite Jane Austen adaptation is surprisingly, um, I think as I was going through it, I was like, it'll probably be Pride and Prejudice. Um, but looking at the list, I really love the adaptation of Lady Susan, um, Love and Friendship. That movie mm. is just really great. Kate Beckinsale is on point. Um, I think it it's one of the ones that fits Jane Austen's style the best. Um, and I really love it. I remember us talking about that when I came yes, out. Yes, we did talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> so we will get into Emma, but before we do that, every episode we like to talk about something we've either discovered or rediscovered throughout the week. So Sandra, what are you feeling this week? This week, I am feeling a Georgian film that I just saw yesterday called And Then We Danced. It uh, It is a movie about... This young man who is part of like a classical Georgian dance company. Um, he's he's very ambitious and 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 determined and um, lives in a small community that a lot of people don't seem to have very much money. And um, this dance company is uh, seems to be something that a lot of people put toward their energy and passion towards too. And then a mysterious new young man enters. The dance company and uh, catches his eye and the plot unfolds. Um, this movie really blew me away. I had heard some really great reviews of it. I think it has a very arresting trailer that I really recommend people watch. Um, and I wasn't, I don't think, prepared for just how potent of a film it was. Um, it's incredibly sexy. I love dance films in general, even the bad ones, the great ones, it kind of doesn't matter to me. And this movie is definitely about dance. It's definitely about ambition and, and, um, following a dream, but it's also about, um, what bodies can do and say. And it's about like having a hunger for something more. It's about having a hunger for another person. Um, and it's about just kind of like despair also. It's uh, it's so, so good. And I love the way that this movie kind of... Most of the dancing in this movie is this traditional Georgian 
classical dancing, um, but it blends in um, this very queer, sexy um, form of dancing as well. Uh, it surprises you after you've he heard so much classical percussion, like Georgian music, every now and then you're surprised by like a modern pop song that really like takes you away in the moment. Um, yeah. Yeah. I was just really blown away by this movie and it's definitely, I mean, I haven't seen a ton of movies in 2020 yet, but this is easily at the top of the list. Have you, are you familiar with this movie at all, Lucas? The trailer's been shown um, just before every movie at my local theater. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> um, it looks great. It's definitely something that, I, that I've been interested in. I love a good dance movie. Yeah. Um, and this one looks really interesting. I haven't I haven't seen it yet, but um, I'm intrigued. Yeah, I, I, it's, I believe it's out in a lot of independent theaters right now. So hurry and go look at your independent theater's calendar before it gets taken down. And I would really highly recommend people see it. If you like movies like call me by your name, I would say it is like a darker tale of that. Um, and so that's, you know, if that's up your alley, go see it. That's great. Um, well this week I am feeling a singer songwriter who, um, I've, Turns out I've been following for a very long time and then just realized that this is the same person. Um, <laughs> but Lennon Stella started recording under the um, name Lennon and Maisie, who, which her and her sister, as very young children, <laughs> um, were recording, got signed um, for the TV show Nashville and did a lot of the music for that TV show for a long time. And now um, I was listening to just a pop channel and one of her one of Stella's songs came up and I was like, Oh, I like this person and have listened through all of her albums before realizing who it was, that it was this, um, this little child that I, <laughs> so that I've been listening to. Is Lennon Stella just the Lennon or is it still the sister duo? No. So it's just one of them. It's just the Lennon of Lennon and Maisie. I see. Yes. Yes. Is that the older one? I believe. Yes. Okay. Um, and so she's gone on to do a pop career. I don't know what has happened to Maisie. I'm totally fine with letting children live their life after they, sure. <laughs> after they've been famous. But, um, so it was really shocking to me having listened to a lot of her singles <laughs> that, uh, that this is the person. So I really love her voice. Um, she has, she has a lot of really catchy, um, a catchy melodies. Um, and right now I'm feeling her song, uh, Golf on TV. Some people want to switch it up Like just one love Could never be enough Some people watch Golf on TV And neither of those things Make sense to me Some people think it's supposed to hurt Like it couldn't be real if it's putting you first But some people watch golf on TV And neither of those things make sense to me Yeah, so this is, a, this is a song that's just been playing over and over again at my house, um, as well as a lot of her, her other songs. I would definitely encourage everybody to check her out because I think she is uh, the next big thing. It's so hard for me to like combine the the little girl that i like watched on nashville right. be you yeah. know and uh <laughs> with like this style that seems so much more grown up and um exciting and i can't wait to like listen to more and yeah meld yes. those two versions of the same person in my head i know it's very weird <laughs> yeah. so she has an ep called love me um it's on spotify definitely check it out awesome all right we haven't done this in a while 
but let's jump into a section we call In or Out, where we talk about new movie trailers that have been released and whether we are in or out on them. So right off the bat, we have um, Tom Cruise's... This, is this his first not writing Tom credit? Cruise. Tom nope, Hanks. not Tom Cruise. Tom Hanks. <laughs> yes. This would be a very different movie with Tom Cruise in it. Um, I think his first writing credit. I don't know if he's written a movie before. But... Did he write, like, the movies he directed? You're right. You're right. Never mind. Um, he He's in a new movie called Greyhound, where he plays a World War II uh, Navy captain who leads a pack of allied convoys uh, while they're being stalked by Nazi U-boats. Um, I This looks like a pretty classic war movie. It looks like a pretty classic Tom Hanks movie as well. What did you think of this one? This trailer didn't do anything for me. <laughs> if Tom Hanks was not in this trailer, um, I don't, I wouldn't have watched it, and I don't think I would have found anything redeeming about it. This is just exactly the type of movie that I'm not interested in. Um, war movies, as in general, um, are not really my cup of tea, but there are definitely some that transcend the genre for me or my distaste for the genre. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, Dunkirk, I think, is a perfect example of that, where it is a war film that I highly, you know, greatly appreciate. This, based on this trailer alone, seems like a war film that fully is encapsulating the genre and um, doesn't have any kind of edge or um, directorial, like, vision that is going to get me to see this movie. Yeah. I think for me, usually the things that... Um... I like about war films are the the human personal connections. I guess that's any movie, but um, that's what I'm there for, not the actual war stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, and this movie looks 100% war stuff. So. And I don't even think this movie looks bad. It's just no, very yeah. much not for me, you know? Right, right. There are sh- so. certainly genre films that I love that are, are not amazing, but they I love the genre, so I'll definitely go see them. And mm-hmm. um, this just is not my genre. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I think I'm out on this. Yep. But good on Tom Hanks for, you know, not only just like taking starring leading roles, but like writing and, you know, yeah, working those for muscles. Sure. Yeah. He doesn't have to do this at this point in his career. Right. But it's something he's interested in. So really go for it. Yeah. Cool. Um, next up, we have a new movie called Never, Rarely, Sometimes, Always, which is a movie about... Um, it's a pair of teenage girls in rural Pennsylvania who travel to New York to seek out a medical help um, after an unintended pregnancy. Yeah. So, Lucas, can I ask you a question? Yes. Were you reading a bio or is that something like you came up with? No, that is the uh, IMDb. Got it. Okay. Intro, I'm curious yeah. um, <laughs> why that IMDb bio says medical help versus abortion. Um, <laughs> what 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 that choice is if it's a marketing choice which i get you know um yeah but it's about let's just i i don't want to mince words it's about two girls who are seeking an abortion um because i believe the the idea the plot in this movie and it's not explicitly stated in the trailer is that in pennsylvania you it if you're under the age of 18 you have to have a parent's permission um and so they have to go to new york to to get the procedure done um, where their laws allow them to. Um, how are you feeling about this trailer, Lucas? I'm excited about it. It looks really good. Um, these, the, I've never seen either of the, 
the actresses in this movie. Um, but the trailer is really compelling. I really like um, Eliza Hittman, the director, the writer and director who wrote uh, Beach Rats. Um, did you see Beach so Rats? I did see Beach Rats. I yeah. really liked it. So I'm 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 in on this. Yeah. So just like earlier when I was saying like this couldn't this Greyhound couldn't be less in my like wheelhouse. This movie couldn't be more in my <laughs> wheelhouse. Um, like an indie drama about two teenage girls seeking an abortion is like everything I care about. Um, so yeah, even though the, though that this movie is like made for me, um, I'm s also extra excited about it because I think it's a really good trailer. Um, I've yeah, Beach Rats is the only thing I've seen of Eliza Hitman's, but that's such a special movie. It's not perfect. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it has like its own issues, but it's the kind of movie where like you can acknowledge this movie has issues, but it's so interesting and new that you're willing to like look past it because there's so much potential in like that director's vision. And I'm really excited to see this movie, um, which I imagine like, I don't know if Beatrice was her first film, but it was like the first big one that I think a lot of people like talked about. And mm -hmm. for this to be the, like, I'm excited to see what this movie is like after, like, maybe she learned some lessons on Beach Rat, you know, how she's yeah. grown as a as a filmmaker. Um, I've heard a really, really positive reviews about this movie also. So that buzz has got me extra excited. Um, yeah, there's so many little shots in this trailer that I don't think give the story away, but really, like, promise you some exciting stuff yeah I'm, I'm i'm excited to see when do you know when this comes out in nashville it comes out on march 27th um okay <laughs> I'm, i know it off the top of my head because i'm yep. very excited to see this this lucas um was my second most anticipated movie of the year when we were talking um <laughs> yeah our end of the year episode yeah got it i was excited okay. for this before i oh, no i saw the trailer when i when i came up with that list but nevertheless very excited yeah. Well, yeah. cool. All right. That is never, rarely, sometimes, always, which is not to be confused with another movie coming out called Never, Sometimes, Always. Or Sometimes, Never. Oh, Sometimes, no, always, always, no, Sometimes, the, the order Always, is Never. Like, yeah, mixed. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> which that yeah. movie is, you know, it's kind of interesting, too. Um, I'm also interested in that one. Yeah. 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 Um, it's a shame that the those titles are. I know. Um such a, a word the the problem yeah. is i haven't seen the trailer for that other film even though it yeah, sounds interesting but yeah this title i think and the way it's it comes out in the trailer is so fitting and perfect that like you know i can't imagine that the other movie's title makes as much of an impact as this one does yeah um yeah so okay yeah. all right okay let's move on talk about emma I like to rise when the sun she rises early in the morning. I like to hear them small birds singing merrily upon the lailum under Okay, so this is the directorial debut of Autumn DeWild, who is a music video director. Um, who's done a lot of music videos for Rilo Kiley, Florence and the Machines, um, uh, Jenny Lewis, Beck, um, and she, she. Oh yeah, go she for also it. do the doc the the Sondheim documentary. She yes, correct. She also did the Sondheim documentary for HBO. 
Um, so this is her first turn toward um, a motion picture. So this is an adaptation of Jane Austen's Emma, um, set in the 1800s, um, but with a very contemporary look. Um, it's very, like visually, it's still the style, the dress, all of that is traditional, but just the actual visuals of it um, looks very contemporary with a lot of colors and stuff like that. Um, so Sandra, what did you think of Emma? Well, first, before we like get into like how we actually feel, can we talk about like previous adaptations and our experiences with them and how we got into this. Yes, um, absolutely. Just because I think that's especially relevant for this movie. Um, I, I, I think I, before I want to talk about how I felt about this movie, I need to like confess something. <laughs> <laughs> and that is that I've never read any Jane Austen. Um, oh, yeah. So, I'm sure we had this exact same confession on the... Probably, most likely. <laughs> Lady Susan episode. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, most likely, but yeah. <laughs> it, it's still the case. So yes. <laughs> I think it needed a repeat confession, ultimately. Um, the, the Like I mentioned earlier, the Joe Wright Pride and Prejudice movie is one of my favorite films of all time. I watch it at least twice a year, you know, and, and I make kind of an event out of it. I love, love, love that film. Um other Jane Austen adaptations I've seen um, are not many, actually, which is also a confession. I've seen um, the um, Gwyneth Paltrow version of Emma that came out, mm-hmm. and I've seen Clueless. Um, <laughs> yep. I've also, I also saw a YouTube series called Emma Approved, um, you know, that, that, that was yeah. technically an adaptation of Emma as well. Um, well, I should say that... Um, Every adaptation, Clueless, I think, is a great movie, but um, didn't, like, make me want to watch other versions of Emma or read Emma. It didn't, like, endear me to Jane Austen, you know? I think it's a great movie on its own accord um, because it has its own sense of lingo and and style that's very separate from most Jane Austen adaptations. Um, And then the Gwyneth Paltrow version of Emma, I hated I think I've talked to you about this before, but it was a movie that I saw in college when I was really starting to like watch a lot of different films and find out what kind of films I loved. And that movie made me think I hated period pieces. And so for a while I avoided period pieces. (laughs) Turns out I love period pieces. I just hated that movie. Um, It's not good. (laughs) Yeah. It's really not good. And it's been so long that I, since I've seen it that I couldn't tell you, what was bad about it? I, I really don't even remember. I just remember really, really disliking it. Um, and then the series Emma approved, I had a lot of issues with as well. And I found that character, the the depiction of that character, very unlikable and and very frustrating. Um, and luckily, I was reading up about it, and apparently, that's like a a, a common sentiment that. Jane Austen herself knew, like, I'm going to write someone that people are going to hate. Like, this is a character that's kind of just for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's how I felt about the adaptations. What about you, Lucas? I I have loved most of her adaptations. Um, I think the first one I saw was um, Emma Thompson's Sense and Sensibility, mm-hmm. directed by Ang Lee. Um, and I 
loved, loved that. Um, and so I think I've just always been on a Jane Austen kick of any, any adaptation of her work um, is interesting to me because at the time, a lot of those, the actual books um, were a little more difficult to get through um, and a little more boring, I think. Um, so I was all about the adaptations. I have since read all of the books um, and do love them. Um, and But Emma was one that I never... I didn't love the movie and I didn't love the book. And so it was one of those things where I was like, I'm fine. Just not, <laughs> not being involved in Emma at all. Um, I recently reread Emma. And I think one of the things, like you said, that is difficult is she's not a super likable character. And it is like one of those things that it is just for Jane Austen. Jane Austen wrote her. That's what she wanted. Um, but it, she had, she doesn't have a lot to, um, to give to the audience, um, with that character. And, um, that's one of the things when we get into the adaptation um, that we're talking about today that I liked. But in the Gwyneth Paltrow one, I feel that. Like, I very much feel like I do not like this character. Yeah. <laughs> she is a bad person and not fun to hang out with. Um, and so that uh, that was always a turnoff. And I so, – so I'm – coming into this movie, I was 100% in, um, ready for a new take on Emma, even though I – she's not one of my – one of the characters that I really like. It was such a promising trailer. I mean, that trailer it was. was cut with it such really an efficiency <laughs> and, and a sense of humor and, and color. And yeah. Um, yes. So all of that to say, um, I expected to really love this movie because of that trailer. And mm-hmm. um, I, I expected to have a grand old time. And I wasn't prepared for how important this movie was going to be to me because um, in this specific adaptation of Emma, um, I ha- like I said, I haven't read the book, so I can't claim that this is the case for the book, but I have never seen a character, and which character I'm referring to is, em- is the character of Emma, um, that I relate to more. I saw so <laughs> much of myself in this character that... I just need to get that out there at the top of this episode because that's going to cloud my judgment of this film. Um, I think me relating to it so personally means that I'm going to think incredibly highly of this film. um, And that just needs to be very well known, you know? Yes. Um, Yeah. I could, I could talk for over an hour about all the ways that um, I felt like I saw myself in this character, but most importantly being that, I too am. Um, I think most of my my flaws. I also is what I saw in her. I feel like I can be impatient with people that I find boring or 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 not very smart. Um, I think very highly of myself. I think I'm smarter than most of the people I encounter. I'm a know it all. I'm controlling. Um, all you know, all these lovely things. <laughs> and. and Seeing that in her and seeing that they're even with all of that, there's still like an inherent goodness in that character. Um, and that in this adaptation, particularly, I don't think she's particularly hateable, you know? Um, yeah. Her flaws are very much, are very evident. Um, but you still, regardless of all that, you still like her very much. Um, and so, I really loved that character portrayal. Um, and it's something that I hadn't seen in any adaptation before, especially like considering Clueless, like we all think Clueless is a pretty great movie, but I didn't see myself 
in the share character and by any means. Um, yeah, I don't think anybody does. Yeah. <laughs> and this character, ooh, it blew me away how much I related to her. Um, and, and so that was like the like primary feeling I had watching this movie. But in addition, um, this movie I think will go up along with Pride and Prejudice, Joe Wright's Pride and Prejudice, as like movies that I hold very near and dear to my heart and that I watch very regularly. I can I can see myself watching both Pride and Prejudice and this version of Emma like back to back. Um, you know, once or twice a year. I feel like they're such a, a good pairing with each other also. Um they're so different in tone and style and and then still have very so many similarities that make them the perfect like partners. Yeah. Um we, we'll, I'm sure we're going to talk a lot about the use of color in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I was blown away. I want to hear about what you thought about it before I rave more. No, I I did really like it. I, don't, I definitely didn't like it as much as you did, but sure. I, I, I absolutely liked this movie. Um, I think kind of what you're what you're saying is that you uh, relate to her. Um, and, and that is something that I think is new to the Emma character. <laughs> I think in the book, it's difficult to relate to her in... Um, and in the Gwyneth Paltrow adaptation, it's extremely difficult to relate to her. Um, and I think one of the things that the, what the IMDb description is, is a well-meaning but selfish young woman meddles in the love, love lives of her friends. Um, and if that's the, that, that is what this is about. But I think the part that the other um, adaptations leave out is the well-meaning part. Um, and in this, you truly do get that she is well-meaning and she loves her friends and wants what's, um, what she thinks is best for them. And, it's just that what she thinks is best for them isn't always what is best for them. And so you get, you really get to sympathize with her because you get to see what she sees <laughs> and what she wants for her friends. But then you also get to see the reality of what's going on, which I think is, um, there's, throughout the book, there's a lot of different twists that pop up of like, oh my gosh, she was wrong the whole time, stuff like that, um, about different things. And in this, you see less of the twists and you just, uh, you feel for her as she's missing key aspects of um, conversations that are happening and mm-hmm. looks that are ha- that are being given and stuff like that, which really makes you relate to her more, which I, which I really did love. There was so much going on in this movie that like, because I had seen adaptations, I kind of knew to be on the lookout for. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like to be on the lookout for all those little background plots that were developing and the looks that different characters were giving each other. And yeah. um, that, that was such a fun Easter egg to like be on the hunt for. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, I, I feel like Lucas, what I want to do and, and you can stop me if we're, if I'm indulging too much, but I kind of like want to go through because like all of the main characters and the different depictions and, and um the casting choices for each of them, because this movie is so there's obviously a very like distinct visual style to this film, but also like this is a movie of, of character and casting more than almost Mm -hmm. anything else. Yeah, absolutely. I I do want to talk about the cast. Um, I, I don't know if I have much to say about uh, like comparing the cast to the other. (laughs) Sure. I don't either. Um, Okay. Yeah. But yeah, let's definitely talk about the cast. Yeah. Well, Let's start with Johnny Flynn as George Knightley. When I saw this trailer, I was excited to see him because I really appreciate him as like a performer. Yep, um, big fan. But I, I, I remember in the trailer thinking like, 
wow, he looks out of place. Like, right. compared to the rest of this cast, his hair. Um, he seems like such a modern actor. Yeah. Um, like, like when I've seen him, in th- I've never seen him in a period piece. And so, like, he just seems like someone who you couldn't put in <laughs> in an 1800s movie. Right. <laughs> um, and so I was interested to see, like, how he fit into this movie. And mm-hmm. then as soon as the movie started, I... And we kind of see his very first scene. I yeah. immediately was sold because <laughs> I, I kind of started to like realize that this character also um, a lot of the things that I thought were out of place are are very much character traits, I think, for this character. The, the messy hair, the, the he, he doesn't seem to care as much about appearances as as the rest of maybe his society and um plays along, you know, out of duty rather than like actual passion for it. And the scar on his face kind of like lends to that as well. And um, he was perfectly like above it all and kind at the same time. He was so good for this movie and um, such a different type of swoon worthy love interest than Mr. Darcy, but still like worthy of all that swooning like just the same. Yeah. He makes a very interesting Mr. Knightley. Yeah. <laughs> but um the one I want to talk about the most is um is Bill Nye as Mr. Woodhouse. Ugh. Mr. Woodhouse is like this is exactly who you picture as Mr. Woodhouse. If you're reading the book or anything like that, this is this is it. And Bill Nye plays it perfectly. <laughs> this almost like hypochondriac, like terrified man who is just like you love and yet is also someone who would absolutely get on your nerves in real life. Yeah. <laughs> and I feel like that's most of Bill Nye's roles. Um, <laughs> so I, I absolutely loved him in this. He's perfect. I'm trying to think of a Bill Nye performance that I haven't found completely delightful. Like, yeah. And, you know, yeah, this is no exception. He, you know, every single moment that he is on screen is like comic relief in this film. And this film is very funny, but like they really like don't waste him. Um, yeah, I appreciate that. I, mm-hmm. I, I laughed every single every single line of his. I laughed. Yeah. Um, there's not many people I think you could say that about. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and obviously, Anya Taylor-Joy. Yes. Um, she's, I haven't seen anything of hers that I haven't liked. Um, I think she's great as Emma. I think she is expressive, extremely expressive. Um, Emma obviously does a lot of talking, but she also does a lot of like looking and judging. And <laughs> and the, the looks that she gives, I think, are fantastic. Mm-hmm. I think they're they're so perfect for, for who this character is. Yeah. And what I love about like her portrayal... Again, I don't really remember the Gwyneth Paltrow version very much. Um, but, like, let's compare it to Clueless. Like, the thing about this character that I imagine, for someone who... Ha- a character that is so flawed, um, you have to convincingly make the audience believe that she is as liked as she seems to be in the book. And, like, mm-hmm. why why is she so well-liked? Other than, I guess, like, her social standing and money. Um and she does have, like, the natural, like, charm and magneticism that, like, you would expect of that character. Like, oh. Yeah. Yeah, she's, you know, a little bit of a know-it-all. But she also, like, is good at balancing her 
you know, haughtiness with <laughs> politeness and charm and, and, contr- and she makes social si- situations run smoothly. Mm-hmm. Um, she's valuable. Yeah. 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 And yeah, Anya Taylor-Joy yeah. like brought all of that to this character is I guess what I'm saying. Yes. Yes. Definitely. The person I'm most excited to talk about is Mia Goth as Harriet Smith. Because I'd never seen her before. I have. And let me tell you, she's unrecognizable in this movie. <laughs> Completely unrecognizable. I had, oh, she was in. Oh, my gosh. I have seen her before. Never mind. That's continue. what I'm saying. <laughs> yes. I had no idea that that was Mia Goth. Um, and I was so, like, captured by how, as an actress, she used her smile in this movie. Mm-hmm. Like that was her main tool. And she was like, and I'm putting it to work. <laughs> <laughs> and she does so much with it. I loved like that. She, as a character, like you completely bought into her innocence and her like charm and like ability. I think that in a different actress's role, like hands, I would have found that character a little insufferable. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I, and I wouldn't have understood why Emma was so fond of her because Emma seems, the character of Emma seems to like have a distaste for people that she's smarter than, and yeah. she's clearly smarter than the Harriet character. Um, and yet this, the Mia Goth like performance makes, is so lovable. Um, yeah. And, and just like right on the right side that she's not cloying at all. Um, mm-hmm. And I think this the way she uses her smile, like, really, like, is what does, is what makes that performance what it is. Yeah, I agree. I think she seems, um, seems helpless, but just so lovable. Yeah. Um, which is exactly what Emma sees in her. Um, and, and I think this, this is the biggest part that, because my, my feeling is in the other adaptations, Harriet gets her hurt the worst <laughs> throughout the, the movie um just ca- almost continually and so it it really makes you, it makes it hard to root for emma when you see how much um everything emma's doing is hurting harriet and in this you f- you truly do feel like emma just really wants what's best for harriet because harriet is lovely and nice um and she just keeps messing up and so that i feel like a lot of that work like you said is from mia goth like the amount of um just the amount of like sweetness and um, just trying her best she's doing in this movie. And yet she also feels young. She feels like very, very young. Um, and it, it, it makes Emma feel more like um, more like wanting to mother her and wanting to, you know, shepherd her into a good direction, good direction. Um, it's great. She does such a great job. Yeah. And, and I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I believe that Mia Goth is also a model. Um, in addition to being an actress, please. Oh yeah. I think so. I can, I can look it up, but, um, she's a very beautiful actress, like never, you know, whether she was a model or not. And Mm -hmm. I think this movie does a very interesting thing with her style in that they take a woman that's like a model and very stunning and they tone down her beauty in very like specific ways. Like she still has to be very attractive in this film because Uh like that's part of the character is that like maybe she can go a little bit beyond her position because of her beauty. Right. Um, and that's part of what Emma sees in her like potential. Um, but she still has to be, young and not 
too stunning of a beauty because she can't outshine Emma and she still has to be like rejected by all these guys, you know? Um, yeah. <laughs> and so I just really appreciate this movie obviously has a lot of very particular styling choices. And I think the styling that they did with Mia Goth um, is very, very interesting. Yeah, definitely. Um, obviously we've also got Josh O'Connor in here. Um, uh, I don't have much to say about him other than this is the first thing that I saw him in. Um, he's also in the crown, um, which I just watched some more of last night. one of his episodes yeah. and, um, he's completely different. It's so great. He's such a good actor, actor. Yeah. I still need to see, um, in God's own country. I was going to say that was my um, gasp. If you heard. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I know. I still need to see it. So I'm, I'm very excited about everything that he's doing. He is complete. Like I've never seen, there's not a bigger gap between his character here and his character in God's own country. Yeah. <laughs> Except they're both kind of dicks. Like, I guess like yeah, that yeah, they yeah. have in common, <laughs> but yeah. the portrayal is, you know, vast yeah. here. He's really playing a cartoon character, which is a lot of fun. Um, and I am just, it's, it's shocking to see him play like any kind of normal person after this. So, yeah. Um, it is, it's so fun. And I love, seeing actors have fun you know mm-hmm. um, yeah yeah and so this it was a joy to watch him he is someone that i have a close eye on his career um when i was in college i really fell for andrew garfield as a performer and i've seen almost everything that andrew garfield has been in um and i probably will continue to see almost like pretty much everything he is ever in yeah um, and I think Josh O'Connor is going to become that kind of actor for me, where no matter what project he's in, I'm probably going to tune in just to see what he does with that performance. That makes sense. Um, I would say those are the main people. Anybody else that you want to talk about the their la- performances? The last one that I really care about is Miranda Hart as Miss Bates. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. So did you watch her sitcom, Miranda? I have not. No. I don't. I'm you probably wouldn't like it sadly (laughs) just knowing you i don't think you would like it but i think it's pretty brilliant it is very um a lot of physical slapstick comedy it it feels like a very classic sitcom which is what i really love about it i appreciate like classic sitcom structure i think it's like a you know it's it's not super modern it came out um in the early 2000s, I think. So it's modern day, but not, you know, this year modern. Um, But to me, it feels like modern I Love Lucy. It's so genius. Her her comedic timing is, like, unparalleled, in my opinion. Um, Whether you appreciate that style of comedy or not, I think everyone could agree that she is, like, a a major comedic talent. Um, And in this movie, she is I think so good at toning down the the comic personality that we know her for and bringing us like a Jane Austen version of that someone who's um talks a mile a minute and is like funny and stressful in all the right ways and then she has this like standout scene um that just makes your heart fully break in a way that I my heart like never does in the rest of the movie. Um, even when like people's lo- like are heartbroken and their love is rejected or they're embarrassed, like 
nothing made me feel as hard in this movie as her scene. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just really blown away by her. And, and she's like what the story ends up like revolt. Emma's Emma's story ends up revolving around that moment mm-hmm. in a way that um, if it didn't, if it wasn't played as well as she did, the whole movie would have fallen yep. apart in my opinion. Yep. I agree. I think she's hilarious. I was excited to see her in this because, um, I mean, she's been in some other things like um, some bigger like spy and stuff that yeah. I've like seen her I think in. She's but she's Call the Midwife. I think she has yeah, like she, a major yeah. role in that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so she is really funny. So I was expecting her to be more of her. Um, Bombastic. Her typical like. Yeah. Yeah. And she's very funny in this. But also, again, very Jane Austen. Like you said, like yeah. it's like she really um, kind of conforms around this role. And like you said, her her big scene is phenomenal and i really want to talk about that in spoiler <laughs> yes and i will just say that like in the trailer and in the beginning of the film she's set up as a character that we're all gonna roll our eyes at the way that emma mm-hmm. does um yeah and like i said it takes um a talented actor to transform our own opinions as well as yeah. emma's yep um Agreed. yeah and the only other character that i i guess is we don't have to spend a lot of time talking about is or the actor Callum Turner in the role of Frank Churchill. Yeah. Um, yeah. Callum Turner is an actor that like, I don't think I've ever seen anything else he's been in. And yet I'm so positive. I've seen him before. Like, <laughs> and that is going to be haunting me. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've seen him in a couple things, but he is also one of those to me. He's one of those guys that he's in, he usually plays forgettable roles mm. in things that I've seen. And so it's like his face is familiar, but I can't like pinpoint it. Um, and so I, I think he's great, but I just don't have a lot to say about him. <laughs> yeah. Um, so. I think he's great in this movie. And I guess in spoilers, yeah. I have a lot more. Uh, and it might just be, I have a lot to say about the character and he plays the character. Well, yeah. 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 So, okay. Do you want to get into spoilers? Yes. Let's do it. Before we get started. Does anyone want to get out? Are you paying attention? It's your last chance to walk away. Let me tell you what's going to happen. Now, crack and gas. Spoilers! Remember, you wanted this. Coming into this movie, I was I was trying to think through, like, what is the big turning point for Emma um, in the book? Um, and I was... There isn't one. <laughs> um, like, the, the moment that we talked about earlier where she um, insults Miss Bates... Mm-hmm. Um, that's in the book, but it's just kind of like, oh, that was a faux pas, move along kind of a situation. And I love that they make it the turning point of the movie where um, where it kind of comes to a head and she realizes, like, this is the, this is who she's been and this is kind of the air that she's had. Mm-hmm. Um, I absolutely love that. It's so great. Yeah. The way that, like, Miranda Hart is trying not to cry in that scene, mm-hmm. it's so relatable. Like that feeling of like being stung by someone and just like really trying to hold it together. Um, the way that like it's so public and and I also deeply uh, the reason that that scene is so impactful for me is because, again, I relate so much to this portrayal of Emma. Like the I have been in that situation where I have said the incredibly hurtful rude thing and even and at the moment you don't even mean to hurt someone you just think it's funny and clever and 
Um, you think it's evident? You know what I mean? Like, it's one of those things, like, we all know that she's boring. Like, mm-hmm. surely this isn't this much of an insult. Like, she said it herself just right now. Um, and I've been that person to say something rude to someone who, to a friend or someone who I have no ill will against. And then you feel so stuck. You feel like, well, I can't even really apologize for this because that will make it worse almost, you know? Um, or you don't want to own up to the fact that you just said something rude because you don't want to admit that you could have right. been so cruel, you know? <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's the trickiest. It's a very, it's so delicate. It's different than most mistakes that you make, I think, because mm-hmm. there's so many times where you can make a mistake that you feel like you, you instantly know it and you can apologize and that this, the social implications of apologizing are very fraught in this instance. Yeah. Yeah. And this, yeah, the way that that scene, everyone, the silence, you know, there's not a lot of silence mm-hmm. in this movie until that moment. Yep. Um, and the confrontation that she and Knightley have. Um, so good. Is so, so ha- well handled. Um, mm. Yeah, that that scene is, is really, really well done. And yeah. then you and then there's a, a distinct shift in her from that moment on, you know? Yeah. 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 Which really, I think, helps the end of the movie. I think it helps um, kind of bring her character to a close and kind of how she how she acts the rest of it. it you can tell it's informed by um, by that moment all throughout, which is it's just so good. Yeah. Um, one thing that I forgot to talk about earlier, but I definitely want to talk about now because it, it it struck me in, in that scene um, is how prominent all of the um, the help is mm. all the servants, um, the footmen, everybody is just so everyone's so in the scene. Um, all the scenes of this <laughs> this movie. Yeah. Sometimes you're you're like looking at characters through the servants, um, just they're in the way and stuff like that. Um, and in that scene, she has this huge argument with with Mr. Knight, uh, Mr. Knightley, and then she's crying in the carriage, and then she just yells, "Go!" and um, and the carriage takes off and the, and the whole time you're realizing you're like, oh my gosh, like that guy was just sitting there the whole time yes. they were having, they're having this argument. And that happens a couple times where people are just having these big arguments or these big conversations and, and the servants are right there. And like a lot of times you watch them like try and get out of the way or like yeah. walk in on, you know, somebody who's upset and then leave. And right. <laughs> like I love that about it just cause the, like these people are never alone. They're always putting on, um, you know, airs or, they they just don't care. Yeah, they, they, do, they, they do not care. They it's one or the other. They've learned to like ignore the presence of a of a certain level of human being. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And we get we get that in the most like comedic sense at the very end. You know, where when mm-hmm. when they when there's our grand kiss and when we end with the servants just kind of like <laughs> turning around. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, no. another great moment that I adore, and I adore this in any movie, like I'm a sucker for this kind of joke, is when Knightley is like thrown himself to the ground because he's so yes. in love, yes. which ama- is amazing. It's like, <laughs> I have been there. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, you know, one of the servants walks in and slowly walks out. A, a, a you know, a person who's what's one of the word what's the word i'm looking for like 
a certain a person of that certain class level that works in a house walking into a room and then slowly walking out or yeah. like a, or in Star Wars like you know um yeah a soldier slowly walking in and then walking out will always make me laugh like yeah you know that's that's <laughs> up there um yeah such a great point Lucas um I want to talk about like the way romance is used in this movie mm-hmm. um another thing I like really relate to the Emma character is I, I wouldn't consider myself a matchmaker at all, but I am someone that like is constantly talking to my friends about their love lives and their relationships and crushes. Mm-hmm. And, and I feel like I'm, I, lo- I love to give advice. I love to give like dating and relationship advice, even though like I have not been in many significant relationships. Like, I am perpetually single, like Emma, (laughs) and yet I consider myself, like, an expert on love somehow. Um, I strongly saw that in myself. Um, I think the the scene that really did me in, very similar to Pride and Prejudice, is that scene after the ball um, where she and Knightley, like, make a connection, like, during this dance... Um, I'm all here for the plot convention of we do a dance in a Jane Austen period piece and then all of a sudden we're transfixed by one another. Yes. Um, <laughs> that works for me. <laughs> and, but as like powerful as that dance scene is where they become transfixed with one another, what's even more powerful to me is the scene following where they're both like in a daze. And mm-hmm. it's morning and they're going home and Knightley is like overcome and has to like run to her house and they're both just like overwhelmed. I love the depiction of that. My crush has reared its head and <laughs> I am so overwhelmed with feelings with a person that I can't really speak or think about anything else. I can just like slowly walk and gaze out a window and like <laughs> deal with my thoughts um, or rush to that person's side, even though I don't really have anything fully to say to them yet. Yeah. Um, I, that scene was more powerful. The The ending where they get together is powerful, but that scene is what is like, will really, I'll really hold dear yeah. to my heart. I love any scene where people are, have an unspoken connection and other stuff is happening at the same oh, time. Yes. <laughs> and, and so that's all, all stuff. of that, that's, 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 I feel like most of this movie, um, sure. but, but yeah, everything that happens at the dance and then everything that happens, um, with Harriet being rescued and like all of that, that whole connection that you're right. That whole section is absolutely fantastic. Um, one of the things I do love about the dance is that the dance, it's not just about them the whole time Right. is, you you've you set up that dance by having all of these couples um having some kind of weird interaction or some kind of conversation and then as they're dancing obviously everybody's kind of dancing with each other and there's not really anything spoken but you see the the eyes that people are making at each other and the and the connections people make as they twist and turn and like look at each other and it's it's great it's cuz multiple things are happening there yeah and i love it um i also am a sucker for like two people who have known each other their whole lives and now all Mm. of a sudden are like overcome with feelings for one another. (laughs) Um, And I, I think I 
as far as I understand it, I think they've aged down Mr. Knightley in this adaptation versus yeah. like in the book, which is yeah. smart. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's a great choice. Let's yes. let's just continue to do that. Let's like, yeah. <laughs> I love that they did that in Little Women. Um, mm-hmm. It's like, we, this is, we're in 2020. Like, we're not beholden to like the creepy age gaps of old times. So like, right. why continue to do that? Why uphold them in adaptations, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, so that was smart. Um, and it changed what could have been a creepy dynamic into, like, the perfect dynamic of, like, two people who are the same age, <laughs> who've known each other their whole lives, and not even just known each other for a long time, but, like, he seems to be a regular appearance at her house, you know? Mm-hmm. And yeah. he he's, you know, just, like, one of the pieces of furniture, some, something that's she's always seen and is now seeing in a new light. Um, and I love that this movie isn't like a hundred percent clear on how long he's like had a crush on her. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it could have been for a long time, like from the very beginning of the movie, or it also could have been developed over the course of the film. And I think both interpretations could be true, you know? Yeah. Um, I also really love the scene at the ball where he like confesses to her, like you would have picked like someone great for Mr. Elton, you know? Yeah. Like your judgment is, is sound in that he, like he gives her a compliment essentially. Mm -hmm. And I'm also a sucker in my own life (laughs) and in movies when men admit how smart (laughs) when they like vocally are like oh you're very smart that like is important to me and so um (laughs) yeah so that scene was also like just as swoon worthy as if like he had you know gone on a rant about how beautiful she was yeah 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 Yeah. um well we can't end this podcast without talking about like the visuals of this movie yes and I think you can tell, like, just the way it looks and everything, you can tell this is someone who cares a ton, a ton about costumes mm-hmm. um, and color. And I think, I mean, a lot of that comes from, I feel like music video directors, um, the, the visuals that they're putting on screen are always something interesting that match the um, whatever you're hearing. And I David Fincher is always someone who has been great with that. Um, and Autumn to Wild, I feel like, has that vibe where everything that you're looking at matters um, and everything that you're looking at um, complements something that you're hearing. And so all of the costumes, all of the colors that people are wearing, um, there was even a point where, where Frank Churchill and Mr. Knightley are wearing close to the same jacket. Mm. <laughs> and at first I was like, and you see... Um, Frank Turner or Frank Churchill ride by and you're like why'd they put him in that jacket he's gonna look he's gonna look a lot like Mr. Knightley and then you see kind of they're contrasting a lot of just like oh they're um, at least Mr. Knightley himself sees himself as like in competition with uh, Frank Churchill and so there's just a lot of like interesting costume choices that you're like oh this is like really really not only pretty, but also um, you're doing a lot here. Yeah. I love the the red capes of the the schoolgirls. Uh, the schoolgirls, yeah. yeah. Um, as they're just like 
because it just becomes a motif of them just wandering through this through the town um and and you know running into people and stuff like that and and it makes it makes that feel very um it makes them feel poor but because you have that pop of red it feels very stylish in a in a um in a fun way that you don't get with a lot of the other characters yeah um I also really love one thing that I don't know if our podcast audience knows about me, but I really, really love earrings. I collect earrings like they're my favorite thing, a thing to style with in general versus any type of accessory or clothes like earrings are a thing that I really care about. <laughs> and this movie uses jewelry also in a way that like I that really stands out. I don't think in most most films either or period period pieces especially do you you really notice the jewelry um yeah unless it's like a plot point like it's a, a special right. necklace or things like that but in this movie there's constantly new jewelry being worn like lots of mm-hmm. earrings and necklaces and um i really appreciated that and the way that those were also used for the characters themselves. I don't even know how period appropriate they were or not. Um, yeah. But I don't care. Like they, they worked <laughs> for me um, stylistically. Um, yeah, I, I agree. That, that was something that I kept recognizing is how oh, the earrings, the so necklaces. So many earrings. Yeah. Um, so that, I, I, that's, you know, I don't have any deep criticism about that. Just as an earring aficionado, I loved seeing them. Um, I kept comparing this movie. I think it's hard not to, to the Joe Wright Pride and Prejudice. Um, and, and what different visual takes they are, um, Mm -hmm. on Jane Austen's work, which should be very similar, you know, in style. (laughs) Um, and it's so funny to me that like Pride and Prejudice is in both tone and color and style, a film about brunettes and this is a film about blondes (laughs) like oh man pride and prejudice is like dark and hazy and a little bit brooding and um mysterious and this movie is couldn't have more color in it and is upbeat and bubbly and funny and um goofy um and Yet the verbal style is so similar, you know? And so to, like, Mm -hmm. have such contrasting movies, to have a movie that feels like fall and one that feels like spring, even though both Mm -hmm. cover all the seasons. um, I really, really loved that. And and again, why I think they make a great partnership. Uh, There's so many shots in Pride and Prejudice that, like, the visual still image when you see it is so beautiful, it makes you gasp. And this movie, it does those kind of images, they don't make you gasp because they're like bountiful. It feels like every other shot is like something that is so stunning to look at, you know? Um, I really appreciate like the excess that this movie has. Definitely. Uh, it's really good. The more we talk about it, the more I like this good, movie. Good. This is like <laughs> my secret plan all along. Um, the one, I mean, there's so many shots in this movie that are stunning, but the one that like couldn't be more up my alley was one very particular shot where um, Emma and Harriet are walking into what seems to be some sort of garden i guess and it's 
this staircase that's covered in moss and grass and the whole screen is green and covered in flowers. Is this ringing a bell, Lucas? When does this happen? (laughs) I'm trying to remember what the scene actually was. I think it's when, I mean, it's not even that consequential to the plot. I think Harriet and Emma are talking about something and they run into Mr. and Mrs. Weston and they're like, oh, Frank Churchill is coming back soon, you know? But it just it, it it's a shot that looks straight out of a fairy tale where yeah it it's like a wall of this like green hill and a staircase like built into a green grassy hill um mm. next time we all watch it again i'll i'll screenshot yeah. it and we'll yeah. <laughs> make it my computer you know wallpaper and <laughs> yes yeah <laughs> it, it's just one in particular that i was like oh this looks like an illustration it's so beautiful um mm-hmm. And there and there's plenty of shots in that, and I love the colors of the walls and how every dress is so colorful. And um, this movie is just not afraid of color. And I there's there are not many movies that aren't afraid of color. It's one of the reasons I love Wes Anderson. And yeah. um, I I I am hungry for more filmmakers that you know use it without embarrassment. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I need to like. Go have a therapy session, I guess, and talk more about, like, all the ways that the Emma character, I see all my flaws in her and all of my strengths. But otherwise, I think that I've said enough about this movie for this, for for now. (laughs) Yeah. I, it's definitely a movie I'll be watching again, for sure. Yeah. It's beautiful, and I liked so much about it. Okay. I just thought of one more moment that I, really quickly, I just have to mention. Go for it. The most genius thing i've ever seen is emma getting a nosebleed when <laughs> she, when like the person she's in love with asks her to marry her like or to change a, mo- the, a moment that i think we all expect to be this grand romantic moment where they kiss and they have like made their love clear for each other for her, instead for her to get a nosebleed and to turn that into a moment of comedy where she's like panicking about something yeah. genius I loved it so much. Yeah. That's, yeah. Okay. Again. It's great. Now I'm done. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. Um, Well, that about wraps it up for us. Sandra, where can we find you during the week? I am on all social media platforms. uh, At Sandra Amstutz. My last name is spelled A-M-S-T-U-T-Z. I'm everywhere at Lucas and Stuff. See ya. Bye-bye. Thank you. Goodbye now. Goodbye. Go away. I'll see you soon, okay? That's it? Go home? Yep. Move along, Padre. Goodbye, old friend. That's it. That's our show for tonight, people. 